Hey guys, welcome back to Beyond the Paychecks, the podcast that gives you the inside scoop on different jobs so you can figure out your dream career. In this episode, Peter, your host, is pulling back the curtain on the oil and gas industry to show you what it's really like working in this field. You'll hear straight from the people living it every day, the good, the bad, and everything in between. Nathan, who is a rack operator, has been navigating the oil and gas industry for quite some time, and we're thrilled to have him here with us today. So whether you're a seasoned professional, an aspiring newcomer, or just curious about the inner workings of different careers, you're in for a treat. Get ready to be inspired, informed, and entertained as we embark on another episode of Beyond the Paychecks. Why do companies or organizations hire you for? Can you explain a little bit uh, about like what you do? Yeah, so I'm a so there's three kinds of operators. We have a rack operator, a process operator, and then a board operator. Uh, I'm a rack operator, so I'm the lowest of the three on the totem pole. But I basically, uh, every truck that comes in, whether they're dropping off, well, actually, let me rephrase. Every truck that comes in when they're dropping off product, I have to test that product for sulfur content. I see. So, and, so um, on top of that. On top of that, I mean, also sample the product every every three hours. Uh, do walk-arounds around the plant, checking gauges and stuff, make sure everything's within spec, looking for leaks, stuff like that. And then um, I manage the drivers too. Uh, you know, I got to keep an eye on them sometimes because they can they can break stuff. I mean, negligence is not uh, unheard of in the industry, so. I see. That's that's the bare bones of it. So essentially, if I was to illustrate this, um, so you guys go get. So I'm really new to this industry. Um, what what is so? How, how would you illustrate this? So the oil. Are you guys go getting the oil energy, or uh, like are you guys just transporting it? Can you go no. talk a little so, about that? So uh, I'll start by saying that this is a very broad industry. There's a lot of different uh parts of it like there's mm -hmm. there's places that just deal with crude oil mm -hmm. and then there's places like us where we just deal with already refined product so what we get is a stuff called transmix and it's a mixture of gasoline and diesel what they get from the pipelines mm -hmm. they bring that to us and then they run it through a process that separates it through heat and pressure into gas and diesel so we have a process where we just make gas and then low sulfur diesel and then that low sulfur diesel gets sent to a diesel hyd hydrogen treating process. And that makes ultra low sulfur diesel, which is what we're legally able to sell. I see. But and then like where we're. Yeah. A lot of the places in Texas will do just crude oil, uh, like water separating and stuff like that. And then same thing with Alaska. It, it's really different from state to state, plant to plant. Mm hmm. So you guys, um, once the oil is refined, you get, like your role is to um, help transport that oil to someone who's going to buy it. Sorry, I'm just a little bit. We we don't transport it. We we basically take product that isn't ready to sell and we turn it into product that is ready to sell. So we we it it go everything comes in and out on tanker trucks. I so see. like the trucks that come in, they'll take our product and they'll take it to whatever gas station or Costco or a Walmart or whatever, and they'll drop it off there. 
I see, and then you oversee that process, that process where the refined oil goes into the tanker. Yeah, like, it's not really that, refined oil. It, it's it's okay. straight up gas and diesel mixed together before any of the additives go into it, or before any of the sulfur is taken out of the diesel, before it's mixed uh, with stuff like toluene or butane or ethanol to reach octane levels. That's what we get. Okay. Okay, cool. And and then um, specifically, your um, your role is called. Um, what was your role again? My role is a rack operator. Okay. The rack the rack is what we call the area where the trucks can come in and they offload and load product. I see. So you kind of oversee that whole offloading and loading process. Yeah, that that's my main concern. But at the same time, like everybody there is involved on the process itself. I see. Okay, cool. That that makes sense. Sorry, like this whole industry is very, very new and complex. No, that's okay. It, I mean, it's a large yeah. industry. There's a lot of shit that goes into it. So. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, so the really the problem you're trying to solve with, with your job is so the whole, the process when the truck comes in and then when, once they leave that that process is smooth sailing, like nothing Pretty much, happens. Yeah. We're just okay. we're just there to make sure that the product is within spec and that we can sell it, and then that the the plant stays up and running so that we can make product. It, okay. It costs oh, that cool. company a lot of money if something is out and we can't make anything or sell anything, and we're just we're just a small plant. Like we only do four thousand barrels to, typically. Okay. I a see. Lot so of, you guys like, are small. Yeah, we're we're we're, we're pretty small compared compared to other other places. Alrighty, cool. So, um, so that, that I understand what it is, what you do now. So you, you're, you're like one of early on, you only, it looks like you only have one year of experience. This is where you start. Um, can you kind of talk about like how you got started? Like, like if someone was to be like, Hey, I want to do what you do. Like how, like how, where, where did someone start? Like, did they need to go to college, etc. Uh, I, I don't have a degree. I got this job through networking, through knowing people. My, my friend, my friend got me this job. Um, but I was already semi-mechanically inclined beforehand because you, you do have to work with your hands. Like you do have to sometimes fix stuff here and there. So I already had been introduced to stuff like that. I was, I worked on CNC machines previously. So he brought, he got me the job. And, but I had zero experience. I went and know nothing. And it's a lot of stuff to learn. There is a lot of stuff to learn. It's not the kind of job where you show up and you get trained within a month. You're good to go. I mean, you're always picking stuff up. You're always learning. So really do you like, if you're able-bodied, you can just go and ask these companies and they'll kind of train you on the job. Is that kind of the whole ordeal? And can you kind of move up from there? Yeah, after hiring, but a lot of these places, they, they obviously, they look for experienced guys first. Um, I see. What kind of experience are they looking for? So like places in Alaska, I think are hiring people. They want people with five years of experience or more. Texas, you could probably squeeze in with less than that. I mean, right now, I mean, there's a lot of them that are looking for people, for hands. But it kind of just matters. It boils down to what you actually want to do. Because as far as, like, us operators go, we have it fairly easy compared to other guys that are drilling or 
basically drilling or dealing with the crude oil or stuff like that. Okay. So like if, if I were to kind of start have no experience, um, I'll just like need to know someone in this industry and like, just maybe ask around and just try that, to that apply. Would, yeah, that would, that would definitely help. And I think it would also help if you had maybe some certifications here or there, because like it, it helps if you have like a maintenance skill set. So like electricians or plumbers or whatever, welders, welders are also very important. So like if you have a background like that, it makes you way more marketable to be able to join with a crew. I see. So like a lot of these people have some kind of technical skill set. Usually, um, that's kind of the first step. If Usually, not, not, not always the case. I mean, the oil and gas industry is renowned for young people coming in and making dumb amounts of money without any actual certificates or anything like that. So, I mean, it really, it really depends on your situation, the people, you know, the area you're in, so on and so forth. Okay, cool. So, so, um, so we know that you don't really need a college degree. You also don't, you might need some credentials, but if like really all you need is like heart and willing to do work really and willing to learn, willing to learn is also and willing to learn. Okay. And then do you, do you need any other credentials or like, is there anything that companies, I mean, I've, I've, I've read that you gotta pass like tests, like maybe drug tests or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's drugs, there's drug tests. We also have to do what's called a Haswalker. It basically it's a class that you take where they go over chemicals and uh, evacuation procedures for chemicals, how to contain certain chemicals or spills, like if we have a diesel spill or something like that. Mm -hmm. it, it's a big safety course on chemicals, basically, is what it is. And is that like provided by the company or is that like a separate? No, yeah, 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 the company provides that. And then a lot of places will make you get a mask fit too. Because a lot of these oil and gas industry, or oil and gas places, they they have H two S hydrogen sulfide, mm -hmm. which is a very very lethal gas. It, so it that's like you, it can kill you. It can kill you like hundred parts per million. Okay, <laughs> that's good to know. So the like mass fit is that what you said? That's yeah. So we have uh, supplied air masks that we have that have to be fitted. That we do that every year and then we also inspect the masks every month i see and then on top of that that's we do that class annually the haswapper we do that annually okay and those are all required and then they're all given by the company yeah it, yeah okay cool um I, I don't know if you mentioned this but like how did you like is this, the reason you got into this industry was through your friend right Yes. Were, were you like in high school or college were like, oh, I just want to go into oil and gas or like, like, how did you end up in this job? So I was, geez. I guess, I guess you could tell your life story too. <laughs> if you wish. No, I mean, I was, I was 21 looking, working at a small machine shop for a small company and uh, I didn't really see myself going anywhere. And uh, I had already planned about moving out out to the west side of my state and uh my friend said that he could get me started at a pay bump that was above what i was making now and 
the schedule is nice. Like we only work four days on and then we get four days off unless we have to cover for somebody or whatnot. Um, so I decided to take it and I moved out, out over here on the West side. And, uh, that that's really the two big reasons I took it. Everything else though. I mean, it's, it's actually been a very good opportunity for me. Okay, cool. Um, I mean, that makes sense. If you're getting paid more, like might as well. And if it's like, not crazy amount of hours. Um, actually, I think I think it still be a good segment to kind of talk about like work life balance and kind of the salary. Um, like you don't have to tell me your salary, but what does like entry level look like? What does mid level salary look like? Um, can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, so salaries, like I said, that's going to be dependent on state and location. Like guys in Texas are going to make more money than I will here. Um, but my first year, I think I was on pace for 70,000 and we were, we were underpaid. And then uh, we got a little bit of a pay bump. And uh, I, this year I'm on pace for almost a hundred thousand. Okay. And that's just that's me. Pretty good. That's me just being like very little experience. And rack rack operators are number three, and then process is number two, and then borders number one. So the number the number two process operators probably all make well over a hundred, and then the process operators you're getting close to that one twenty to one fifty range, depending on experience and stuff. Okay, Jesus, I didn't know it was that much <laughs> in this in this in this industry. So That's, yeah, I mean that there's a lot of money to be made in this industry. It's just a matter. It's a matter of how badly you want it, because I'll be real honest, the, the schedule that we have is very cushy compared to the schedule that other people have. Like those guys in Texas, some of them will work 30 days in a row, 12 hours or more a day, and then they'll get a month off or two weeks off or whatever, whatever they want to do. Or like some places, I know I saw a job posting in Alaska that was seven days on and then seven days off, but you're also on call and stuff like that. But we, we just do four days and then we have four off. But obviously if, if nice. we have to cover if we have to cover for people, then we can do five, six in a row. I see. So you're you're out in um west side, right? Like that west coast area. Is that what you said? Southwest. Southwest, okay. So people in Texas, that's it is more money, but you're also working a lot more. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, you'll you're you're gonna work a lot more and I, I I wouldn't really say a lot of the positions out there would be, I mean, you could definitely turn it into a career, but I guess it's the same thing with any other trade that you get into is like, how long do you really want to do that for? Or how long yeah. can, your body, can your body do it? Yeah. Is, 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 it a, is it a lot of physical toll on your body, this, this kind of work? Like what, what are the physical things you got to do? Honestly, for us, I mean, we, we, like I said, I have, I think I put it in the description. I have a very niche job, I would say, as far as like mm -hmm. the experience goes, like my personal experience with the job itself compared to what I've read and heard from other places. Like we, we're very different. Like, I don't feel like I break my back every day. Okay. But I know that there's places where you do. I see like places in Texas, like by like Permian Basin, where they work like 30 hours, um, I guess 30 days straight. And then, 
and then just go in and doing a lot of physical work. Is that is that job like a different job title or is that still like rack operator? I really don't know. I, I don't I don't want to speak for something that I don't entirely know about. Okay. Okay, so like the rack operator, it's it's really just overseeing. There's not as much like physical labor in it in this in this. I mean, we, we we do a lot of walking. Like on a day shift, I'll probably there's there's days where I'll do twenty thousand steps, and then we're out in hundred degree plus weather. Two months out of the year, it's one hundred and ten plus. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's that's pretty. I guess that'll take a toll regardless if you're and doing physical the other thing, labor. The other, the other thing on top of this is these places are running 24 seven. So there's people that work day shift and there's people that work night shift. I see. So like me, I, I've been stuck on nights for a pretty good bit now and it's definitely taken a toll on me. Like uh, it's messed up my, my sleeping schedule entirely. Is that something that you, you can control as you get seniority or is that like something that comes with a job? That's going to depend on place to place. There's some places that'll rotate you back and forth between days and nights. I guess there's some places okay. that won't. I see. All right. Um, kind of the next part is, I think you might've mentioned this, but there's some things that people like about their job. There's people, some things that you might not enjoy as much. Are there, what, like, what are some things that, that you enjoy? about your job and something that you wish you could change? Um, I, I wish that we were one of those places that rotated between days and nights. Mm -hmm. um, but other than that, I really don't have too many concerns. Uh, what was the first part of that question? Oh, well, like, well, what are some of the things that you really enjoy about your job? Okay. I like that when I go home, I'm done. Like I don't have anything to take home with me. I'm not expected to do any work when I go home. That's it. When you're off, you're off. And I feel like personally, like it, I have a good work-life balance. I'm already, I mean, yeah, I'm gone for 12 hours when I work, but when I'm home, like I'm home for four days. And then when I take vacation, like I, I can get 12 days off in a row. I see. Awesome. Um, and then what are some of the myths, some common misconceptions about your job? Like some people who's like not doing your job, what are some things they might think you do or not do? Uh, that we're all, like I said, there's a big stereotype about how it's just a lot of young, dumb people that come in here to make a bunch of money mm -hmm. and then basically spend like they're teenagers. I'll tell you that right now, that it's not really the case for a lot of places. I'm not going to say a lot of places, but it's not really the case for us. Like we have a lot of people that are, that treat this like a day job. Like this is their career and they're smart. Like they know a lot. They have to, I mean, they know, they know how everything works. They know how to fix everything. They know the ins and outs of the plant to make sure that it stays running. And that takes a lot of knowledge. Okay, cool. So what kind of person would like, what kind of person, like personality type would make, like be successful in this job? And like, what kind of personality types wouldn't? I think you mentioned a lot of it, but. You need thick skin. I'll, I'll say that right now. You can't really be sensitive. A lot of these people 
a lot of the guys that I work with, I mean, we all like to joke with each other, we're all guys. So you need to have thick skin and you need to throw out an ego or any sense of pride you have. Because the first year that I worked there, I felt like a pure dumbass most of the time because I just could not figure out a lot of the things without messing anything up or mm -hmm. asking a bunch of questions or just going through it myself. And there's times where they're going to make you feel dumb without you, without really trying. And they're not in trying to make you feel dumb. It's just there's a lot of complicated stuff mixed in with a lot of simple stuff is the best way I can really explain it. I see. So like they're just making jokes and stuff and it's, and it's you're in a you're in a room with a bunch of dudes. <laughs> so there's yeah, probably it's, not it's, it's a an industry that's inside. very, very male heavy. I see. Do you wish there was more female or like do you think like like what do you what do you what are your thoughts about that? I think that if someone can do the job then they can do the job. Whether they're male or female. Because, I mean, there's guys that have come in and they can't do the job, but at the same time, we have female truck drivers that come in and they can haul the, the, the offloading hoses and stuff on and off the truck, and those things weigh, like, 30 pounds. Mm -hmm. So I think if you can do the job, you can do the job. Okay, cool. Um, that's kind of um, all the questions I had, really. Um, one final question is... I think a lot of people are somewhat curious about this industry. Like, what are your thoughts on the future of this industry? Like oil and gas, it might be a, a lot of just news things that it might go away, but pers I personally don't think so. But what are your thoughts on the future of this industry? Um, I'm not going to dwell into the politics of it, but yeah. I'll say this. It's not going to go anywhere anytime soon. I mean, the whole electric car thing is just, there's no infrastructure, no infrastructure to support the amount of electric cars that they want or to replace all the vehicles that run on gas and diesel and so on and so forth. I think if anything, it's just going to go a route where there's more hybrids than there are electric vehicles because a lot of these car companies are already taking baths on electric vehicles as is. Because no one wants to spend a hundred thousand dollars for a pickup truck. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, the oil and gas industry isn't going to go anywhere anytime soon. The other thing is with oil, like specifically, everything that you can think of that has been produced or is still produced came from oil at some point in that process. Whether it was, I mean, the, the paint that's used on vehicles or that's got oil in it, the tires got oil in it, the roads have oil in them. The cardboard that you're used, that use, uh, the cardboard that holds your Amazon packages or whatever, that's all thrown on a truck that runs on gas and diesel or had gas and diesel somewhere in the process of making parts of that truck. What I'm trying to say is oil is not just for fuel. I mean, it's used in a lot of pretty much everything production wise there's always going to be a need for it. Like California's cut out a lot of its oil production itself, but it's just whatever it's cut out, it's been importing now instead. For example. Awesome. So it, it's, it's not going to go anywhere anytime soon. Awesome. Um, this is super helpful. I think you kind of took 
um, we've talked about like all the pros, all the not so great. Um, we even talked through like like your hours and like other people in industry. Like, looks like Texas is where they work a lot, but they also probably get paid a lot. And this is like where what you're doing looks like it could be like a full time career. But a lot of people in Texas, they could it could be just like a short term gig. Um, I'm not, not going to say just short term gig. I mean, there's there's probably a lot of long term opportunities too. Okay. Like, where do you see yourself? Maybe like in five to ten years, like, would you want kind of kind of want to move up to the like the top of your role? What, what was it? Fuel operator is a top. Like, what was after uh, rack? Board, board. Uh, so process operator. So those are guys that are more involved with the the process itself, the plant. I see. Would you would and you want to kind of grow to yeah, that role? I, I mean, I'd be okay with that. I don't want to give too much away, but I'm I'm in school right now. So the nice thing about my schedule is I get enough days off where I can actually go to school for other things. Mm -hmm. So I'm in school right now for another, I'll say degree. I see. Okay, cool. So it's not like you, you do, you do in your long-term plans, you do have like other thoughts about it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I do. Like, I, I don't know if this is really where I want to be forever. The money in the schedule is very nice. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just not something I see myself doing long term, but there's a lot of people that do. And I don't awesome. think they have any issues with that. Like some, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. There's a guy that we bring in sometimes when we do a shutdown where we clean stuff and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And they bring that guy in and he makes $200 an hour to show up. I see. And, and all he does is clean? Like, he doesn't clean anything. No, he, he basically, he's like a consultant. And he's been in the industry for a very long time. So he just like comes in and looks at the plant, see if it's good or not, essentially, or? No, he he's a he gives advice. I see. And... Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. And then. Uh, well, like. There's other oil and gas jobs too, like petroleum engineers, that you have to go mm -hmm. to school for, but those guys make a good amount of money. Um, Geology, geology, geologists, they, they work in the oil and gas industry too, because they have to be there when we do drilling or when companies do drilling for oil and minerals or whatever. And then, um, truck drivers, the guys that we deal with, these are guys that show up and they make a hundred thousand dollars a year starting and they have a CDL and that's it. What is a CDL? Their CDL is a commercial driver's license. So the guys that all drive semi-trucks and stuff like that, they all have commercial driver's license. Oh, okay. So this industry is pretty huge. There's like people who work at the plant, at the refinery. There's people who transport stuff. There's people who work at the, there's people who look at a drilling and there's like little, there's like so many different jobs within this energy industry then. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, anything energy related is gonna net you a pretty good job job with pretty good stability. I mean, it's energy. It's what runs society. It's what society yeah. runs on. So yeah, I think I think we kind of need oil to run and heat our house and stuff like that. Well, not just that. Like I said before, oil is yeah. used in everything like that, that you can see that's produced. I mean, your iPhone. There's yeah. parts in there that probably came from oil in some way. Awesome. Um, that's kind of that's 
all I had. Did you have any questions for me or do you have any additional things to add for anybody who is interested in going into this industry? Uh, you know, I'll, I'll just say that that, uh, that CEO that you interviewed, uh, he's going to probably have way more accurate information than I am, but I'm just giving my personal experience from what I've learned and dealt with and read myself. Mm -hmm. Awesome. It, I, I thank you a lot. Um, this is super helpful for everybody. Um, I think just not just like just for the people who work in oil and gas, but people who's like are interested because a lot of people don't realize a lot of these opportunities are there. Um, <laughs> so when I was volunteering at a school, some some kids don't know what they're doing, but like some of them just a lot of them want to be Twitch streamers or like YouTube stars or something like that. At it's least that's not these days. Yeah, or like professional athletes is one one of the top ones too, but that's like one in like a billion chance. <laughs> so no, yeah, I mean, I would say just find a job that you can tolerate that can support your lifestyle. I mean, I think there's a lot of people mm -hmm. that have this idea of a dream job, but I mean, I, I me personally, I don't want to make a job my life. I want to make my life my life, and my job is what supports that. Mm -hmm. Awesome! Thanks so much. Sweet. So just as an overview of everything Nathan said for his position of a rack operator, um, you don't need a degree. And he went in with zero experience. So really, he got the job by networking slash through a friend. Um, but a lot of companies are often looking for years of experience in a position like this. He did say having some sort of a maintenance skill set, like being a plumber or electrician, um, sort of makes you a more desirable candidate. Um, and then the salary for his first year, he's making upwards of 70K, but he said he was underpaid and they've increased the pay since then. And this year he's on track for about 100K. The work schedule is four days on, four days off. He works nights. And the cool thing with this job is after you're hired, you get on-the-job training for a chemical safety course, um, which is provided by the company in a mask fit. But it is important to note that working in the oil and gas industry can be hazardous. <laughs> um, what do you think about it, Peter? Yeah, I think this is... Uh, I like to say this oil and gas is also very... It's a lot of hard work. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> like, <laughs> would you be a rack operator? No. No. <laughs> Too much manual labor. The demands of a schedule that can be, like, he says he works nights. I forgot how many days on and how many days off already, but that would just be way too hard for me. Yeah. At least for me, he said he's he's not like lifting a lot of weights, but he you still gotta walk around in hundred hundred twenty degree weather, like yeah, for eight hours straight. And it um, seems like it could be really dangerous with all the chemicals you could inhale. Yeah, potentially that's why they have safety trainings. Yeah. <laughs> so seems too risky for me. <laughs> um, but it is. If I was didn't know, I mean. If I like wanted to come make, if I didn't have a degree and uh, um, I want to make 
six figures. This is one of the, I guess, most, um, I guess it's not easy. Nothing. I don't want to say easy, but, it but it's reliable. Like it's yeah. yeah. Seems like a good way to have a steady source of income. Mm-hmm. If the need will be there. So yeah, I, I think mm-hmm. I would, what I would do if I was, let's say I was, I, I'm 18, right? I don't like, I want to go to college and I knew about this job. I think I would actually want to do this for a year or two and then save up the money and then um, see if I figure out well what I want to do later. Maybe I go yeah. back to school. And yeah, and I think like that... 200K. <laughs> <laughs> Not all of us are that or, good with our money, Pete. Well, I guess, I guess after like finances or after like tax, after like expenses. Yeah. And that's kind of what I... I don't think I personally would do it right now. Um, but yeah. I would actually be very up for it. When, if I was like 17, 18, maybe have like a few years of on hands experience, maybe working at like a, I don't know, construction site for like a year and then see if I can move into this. But the thing is, you have to be drug free. They definitely do drug testing. For sure. <laughs> <So> you, <laughs> you, have to you can uh, party, that. folks. <laughs> yeah. I think it too, like the schedule is flexible enough to where you can have that opportunity to explore other career options in your days off. Yeah, I would um, think so. Yeah. And if yeah. you have no kids, no pets, like no other <laughs> things yeah. in your life that's like you have to go back to, I think you can <laughs> pretty much take. So if you are living a la- sad and lonely life. Not sad, but like. You with no one around <laughs> but also it, you could it, it could also be for someone who has some life and if they um really like doing it they can do go go for two weeks and stay home for two weeks i think that's mm. there he goes backtracking now <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah but, i agree but, yeah but for me i don't know if i could do that Just i definitely couldn't aspect. I just, yeah, it requires too much. I'm lazy. What's up? And that's a wrap on this episode of Beyond the Paychecks. Huge thanks to Nathan for opening up and sharing his journey with us. Before we head out, we just want to say cheers to all you listeners for tuning in. You guys are the reason we do this podcast. Your curiosity and support keeps us going. If you enjoyed today's episode and want more stories from all sorts of industries, hit the subscribe button, leave a review, and spread the word about the show to your friends. Until next time, stay curious, stay motivated, and keep exploring the awesome stories of everyday people. I'm Ashley. And I'm Peter. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Paychecks. Thank you.